0: Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, and this passage, that we began looking at this last week. And I want to begin in verse number 5, for the sake of time, as we look at this passage once again tonight. The Bible says in verse number 5, these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any of the, any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out devils freely, ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town he shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till he go thence. When he come into an house, salute it, and if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust off your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Let us pray. Father, thank you once again for your precious word. God, I pray that you would use it in a mighty way to guide us and to direct us into your will, both individually. And collectively, give me the words you love me to say. May the base source of strength and encouragement and challenge. And if there's someone who doesn't know you as personal Lord and Savior, may tonight be the night of their salvation. May every believer be challenged and strengthened to be closer drawn to you. And we'll give you all the honor and glory that's do your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. As a teenager growing up into Young adulthood, I was all about recording memories. I would be the one with the cassette deck recorder at our anniversary services, recording these significant moments. I can remember so distinctly recording the 10th anniversary service for Shiloh and I would be the one who would be listening to these things over and over. I would be the one with the camera snapping pictures, taking the time to take the film to the photographers back in those days when you had to wait for them to be developed and I would use my funds to pay for them. I could recall going to local videographers here and I would be the one to purchase videos of independence parades and significant events that are happening in the island. I would be the one to have my VCR programmed to record things that are coming on television, cricket matches and different things that are happening. Even as I lived in the U.S., in New York, when I went to college, I would be the one to go and buy the daily news when a significant world event happens. When Princess Diana died, I, I would go and purchase the daily news with, and, and so that I could have a record of the event as it was being reported, significant sporting events. So I was all about memories and recording these things, full of nostalgia. But I realized over the years that my value system of precious memories was not shared by others. Certain of my family members who, will rename, who would remain nameless, they've heard this story many times. But I realized that my value system was not theirs because I made the colossal mistake of leaving for college and leaving all of my precious memories at home. And when I came back on vacation, I realized they had disappeared, never to return again. I heard they were thrown into a bonfire. As such, it reveals that my value system was not shared by others. You think the story ends there. When I got married, I had these newspapers that I had stored, had them maybe in a bag or a box. Figuring one of these days, when I get some time, I will cut out the relevant portions and maybe save them in an album and all of that. Came home from work, realized all the boxes had disappeared when I found out to myself it was too late. They had been thrown in the trash and the garbage truck has already come and all my precious newspaper clippings had gone into Never Neverland. At that point, I think I gave up on recording Precious Memories Because I realize people don't value my stuff. But I say all of that because we have different value systems. A value system places value and different values on different things. Your value system is different than mine. For the things that we value, we care for them and we treat them differently than the things that we don't value as much. But as I mentioned last week, and it's worth repeating, that here's something that as children of God, we all ought to value. And that is the work of God. We place different values on the work of God, but if you were to examine closely, How we value the work of God impacts how we treat the work of God. And so I'm continuing this message tonight entitled, Value the Work of God. This is a message under the sermon series, A Ministry to Pattern. We want this ministry of local church that we are involved in, in terms of building the kingdom to be patterned after how God would want it to be done. We don't want to come up with our own ways of doing things. And no better way to understand how to pattern the ministries that we're involved in than looking at how Jesus patterned his ministry. How did he function while he lived here on earth for 33 and a half years, three and a half of which was his earthly ministry. And so tonight we want to continue looking at this text and retrieve from it some principles as it relates to valuing the work of God. Now, the context of Matthew chapter 10, of course, we see here that Jesus had called 12 disciples and these were 12 individuals in whom he would pour out his life. And he would instruct them, he would guide them, he would teach them, so that when he would reach to the end of his ministry, they would carry on what he had poured out into them. Now, we notice in this context here, in verse number 12, uh, 5 rather, that Jesus commanded them to go forth, not into the way of the Gentiles, but into Jewish country, Jewish land, to go to those who were of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he gives them a command and says, go and preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, very quickly, and I don't want to spend much time on this, last week we looked at valuing the work of God from the perspective of the servant. That would be the 12 disciples in this particular passage. And we saw that, they ought to be convincing as they speak. We're not going to, I'm going to just list these by way of reference. Be convincing as you speak. They ought to confront situations. We saw in verse number eight, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. There are going to be some circumstances that you're going to encounter, but you going in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a servant, if you value the work of God, understand that you're going to be compelled to sacrifice. He says to them in verse number 8, freely as he have received, freely give. We saw fourthly, in valuing the work of God, be confident about your security. That God is going to take care of you. He says, you, know, you don't have to worry about gathering up all the gold and silver and brass, or script for your journey, because I got your back. Be confident about your security, but also, very importantly, fifthly, cherish your significance. Understand that as a servant of God, you are valuable to God. So don't walk around as if you are less than. That's valuing the work of God from the perspective of the servant of God. Tonight, I want us to look at valuing the work of God from a different perspective. And that's valuing the work of God from the ones who are being served. Now, when you look at this passage, you realize that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he has certain expectations of them as servants of God. But if you read this passage and you look a little more closely, you would realize that Jesus also had expectations of of those who the disciples were going to serve. And he wanted those individuals as well to value the work of God. Now, I'm going to give you a number of areas where the served ought to value and demonstrate valuing the work of God. Now, in the first place, here's a very important area where we need to value. We need to value God's word. Amen? Value God's word. We've been uh, looking at memory verses here for the last several months and probably into years now. Psalm 119. I mentioned how every, almost virtually every verse in that precious psalm references the word of God. My friend, Honor the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Value God's love letter to you and me, the Bible. Amen? Here's one thing that I want to encourage you to do. When it comes to valuing the word of God, be careful where you put your Bible. Amen? Be careful where you put your Bible. Listen, you you say, Pastor, that's making a big deal over anything. Listen, people are very careful about what they do with their phones. I mean, our phones have become almost like a part of our bodies. Listen, people don't put their phone anywhere. Listen, you put your phone someplace, next thing it falls. It, 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 the, screen, the screen is cracked. I mean, I mean my, my family gets on me. They it pass away? Daddy, why do why, why you have these, these cumbersome phone cases? They're so ugly. I'm like, I care more about the protection than all the fanciful looks. Because I don't want to buy the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I have a pet peeve. I hate to see phone kind of cracked up screens and all that. The way you got your phone in this case or you take it out, it looks brand new. I, th- I want it to last for a long time. But we are very careful about where we put the things we value. Don't throw your, your Bible in some dusty corner and Bible under the bed. and Value the work of the word of God. Amen. Don't throw your Bible in the trunk of some car. It's the Bible. It's God's precious word. Let me tell you something. When I'm traveling, my Bible will not go in any check-in bag because they're not going to lose my bag and have my Bible in there with it. So if you leave my bag somewhere, I got my Bible. It's going in my carry-on bag. Amen? Because I'm going to value the Bible. How many of you are going to put your phone in your check-in bag? Nothing, thing, tall, go so. It's going to go in that. Either your purse, your, you're gonna go, it's going to be with you, right? Value the Bible, amen? But if you value God's work, you're going to value his word, amen? Pay attention to what God says in his word. That's a way to value it. I'm very concerned about the fact that people don't understand how important God's word is. He says he esteemed his word. This is something that we need to address here at Shiloh when it comes to valuing the word. Listen, I know that we have reasons sometimes for having things to do, but I'm telling you, There's far too much movement when the word of God is preached. In and out and back and forth. I mean, we must be living in the day and age of weak bladders. I am telling you, I mean, as children, we were trained growing up, no back in and out, back and forth. No, 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 no. We're not talking about several hours. But we must value the word of God. Here's how I tell you now sometimes it's a mindset because when we g- grew up and this is unlike, you know, you have to recall these things because children nowadays probably don't even identify with what you're referring to. But we know when we grew up and uh, you watched television, you had the interruption and I'm going to call it interruption of commercials, right? And you know what you would do because, you know, commercials coming. you're watching whatever it is you're watching, whether it's a, a series or for those who watch soap operas or whatever, there was no playback. There was no rewind. You're watching it at the specific time and you wait until the commercials to do what? Go and do what you have to do. You run to get a snack in the kitchen or you run to the bathroom when the commercials come on. Why? Because you don't want to miss What's happening, my friend? When it comes to the Word of God and the preaching of God's Word, set up yourself. Do what you need to do. Go get yourself sorted out before, so that when the preaching happens, you don't miss anything. That's valuing the work, or the Word of God. It's valuable. Can you imagine being at a uh, 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 in the middle of a game, and and the game is down to crunch time, and uh, I, I, and you're waiting to see what's gonna happen, and then all of a sudden you just get up and go, and you come back, the action is over. You wait until a timeout. You wait until there's a break. You wait until there is a a, a drinks break, whatever, because you don't want to miss the action. When it comes to the word of God, reverence the word of God. That is why we, in, every, in whatever little effort with reading the word of God, doing scripture reading, the word of God is being read prior to a message. We say we stand to honor God by the reading of his word. Stand up and honor the word of God. Don't take it lightly. Reverence it. So we must value God's word. And here's what else we must value, which is also inherent in this. Value God's work. Value what is being done to build God's kingdom. You know why, my friend? It has eternal consequences. It impacts lives for all eternity. And here's what I've observed in this thing called ministry that people value something when you value it. When you value the work of God, others respond accordingly. If you have a vehicle and you are particular about it not being scratched, guess what? The people around you, because they know you're going to be upset, they say, boy, let's make sure we don't scratch up his vehicle. You know, you have a Family member who says, listen, don't walk in this house with your dirty shoes. What do you do? You take them off by the door. How do we treat the work of God? How do we treat the house of God? Are we content with taking chewing gum and sticking it under the pew? Are we willing to walk over trash on the ground? Is that how people would treat their own house? You know, in your house, cushions have to be in the right place. Things have to be a particular way. The cutlery has to be in a particular drawer. Am I right? And here you got one of those beds with all the cushions and all they have to be done, pillows, Pillows, cushions, and all—all all the same thing. I know a particular pastor who mentioned who mentioned this. He said when he comes to his his um, his making up his bed, I mean his wife is so particular about the placement of all the pillows. What he does, he makes sure he wakes up first. Cause he can never get it right? It's too complicated. So the best solution: make sure you get up first, so whoever gets up out the bed last, they make it up. But we we're very particular about how we do things when it comes to our own homes. Well, let's value the house of God, the work of God. Amen? Do so you know that David valued God's work? He valued the house of God. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 24. A familiar passage to, I'm sure, most of us but David valued the things of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 24, David was going to be offering a sacrifice to God. And here he was about to offer this sacrifice and the Bible says Arona wanted to allow him to have whatever he needed without cost. And David said in verse number 24, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at price. Neither will I, will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord God of that which doth cost me what? Nothing. He valued Look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. David was the one who wanted to build a house Permanent house where God would dwell. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 1, and it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of Cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said unto the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. We understand that God did not allow David to be the one to build the temple. His son Solomon came after and did that. But we see here that this was in the heart of David. David looked and said, listen, I'm dwelling in a, in a mansion. I'm dwelling in a, in a house, a permanent house. And God's house is moving around still in this tabernacle. David says, that's not good enough. Whatever I have, God should have the very best. Why? Because he placed high value on the work of God. But here's the third thing that I want to mention tonight by way of valuing the work of God. And oftentimes, pastors probably shy away from preaching about this because it can seem maybe somewhat self-serving. But I'm in no way endeavoring to be self serving tonight, but I'm endeavoring for us to be biblical as it relates to valuing the work of God. And we see this clearly in Matthew chapter 10. We not only ought to value God's word, not only value God's work, but we ought to value God's workers. You see, look at what the Bible says in verse number 14. Remember, Jesus is sending out his disciples to people who are going to be served by these servants. And Jesus said to them in verse, let's back up to verse 13, if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it, but if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And verse number 14, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when he depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. What Jesus was saying by virtue of his instructions to his servants is that I expect that when you go out, that the individuals who you are serving will value the service that you are providing. That's really what Jesus was saying to them. You see, my friends, the reason for this is because God's servants ought to be held in high regard, because, not because of themselves, but because of the one who they are representing. An ambassador has significance, not in and of him or herself, but because they are representing a country. When that position of ambassador is removed, their significance has been also removed. Look back at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. While he says to the servants, I want you to trust me. I want you to rely upon me. Don't worry about taking gold and silver and coats and all this stuff in the same breath in verse number 10 he says for the workman is what? Worthy of his meat. Jesus is saying you are so valuable that I'm not having you go and take care of all your needs you are to be treated with such value that when you go the people who you are serving are going to take care of you. Or should take care of you. That's what he's saying. So by virtue of that statement. He's saying to the individuals. Who are being served. Value not only God's word. Value not only God's work. But value God's workers. No I'm not, I'm not Shiloh. He's a church that values. God's servants. So you don't have to get all quiet on me. Tonight. Amen. But we ought to value God's workers. That is why when it comes to our missionaries, we are to treat them, if we had the privilege of them walking through these doors, treat them as honorable. Why? They are representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing is too good for them. Nothing is too good for servants of God. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. And look at what the Bible says. Verse number 17. Let the elders, and here elders, as we heard just this past week, for those who travel to sink, elder is another responsibility or another term for a pastor or for the leader is for the elders that, and it speaks to seniority, that rule well be counted worthy of what? Double honor. <laughs> Double honor. Especially they who labor in the what? In the word and doctrine. Double honor. It's not even just honor, but double. Verse number 18, for the scripture said, thou shall not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn and the labor is worthy of his reward. God is saying, I value my servants. And I want you to value them as well. This is the perspective of the served. But notice finally, the perspective of the sovereign. If you look back at Matthew chapter 10, notice the reason why we ought to take this with the same level of seriousness that God does in verse number 15 this is the the perspective of the sovereign he says verily I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city God is saying the reason why I want you as servants to value The things of God. I want you as the ones being served. To value the things of God. Is because I. As the heavenly father. I value my work. Such that. When individuals don't value it. They receive. My condemnation. And God responds. Accordingly. You value God's word. You value God's work. You value God's workers. God says, based on your response, you value me. You don't, then you don't value me. And so may it be that as children of God, as individuals involved in furthering God's kingdom, that we place the appropriate value on what is near and dear to the heart of God and I can assure you on the authority of God's word that God will bless us. Amen. And I tell you, I can tell you personally that even prior to being involved in ministry, being in the pew and being, I say that meaning as a member, I've always endeavored As best as I know how, what can I do? How can I make the life of God's servants easier so that they can accomplish his work? You know, one of the things that we should always endeavor, how can I be an asset? An asset adds value. A liability takes away. How can we be assets? when it comes to the work of God. And as we are all assets, guess what? We add to the overall balance sheet, or the, if you will, the value of God's work. And God will truly be honored with that kind of mindset.